Welcome back for part two of Pastor Tim's message, No Place for Arrogance in Prayer. From Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through 54. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Three times, God's word tells us that. So, when I approach God in prayer, I must lay aside my pride, my arrogance, and come before him in humility. Let's complete this scene of events in Luke chapter 11. Here's Pastor Tim. That's where we go to in verse number 42. In verse number 42, he begins what I would call the inventory. It's a list, a series of woes. And there's six of them in total. And you can tell when you get there because Jesus says each time, woe to you. Woe to you. Isn't that terrible? Isn't that a terrible thing to hear from the Lord? Woe to you. And there's six of them in His list. Six of them in His inventory. If you notice, if you're following along in your notes, this says the inventory part one. Because they're divided into two sets of threes. This first set begins simply with this Pharisee that he directs them to. And they're all primarily concerned with the woes that your actions bring to you. You suffer loss when your actions are not right before the Lord. You suffer loss when you come before Him with arrogance. Let's go through the inventory. Let's look at the list. Verse number 42 is the first one. He says, But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and you pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. It is a woe on priorities. A woe on priorities. What Jesus has said is, you have abandoned the two greatest commandments. What are the two greatest commandments? The two greatest things that they're supposed to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And they've not done that. Oh, now they pay attention to the details. We tithe all the way down to the mint and the rue and all the manner of the herbs. You know, we always question whether we're supposed to tithe on our gross or tithe on our net. It's the same, it's the same thing going on right here. Trying to pick out the details. They're trying to pick out the one little tree and they've missed the forest. They've abandoned the very things that they ought to do. Justice. And love. It's a woe on priorities. Second woe that you find in the next verse is a woe on promotion. Really on self-promotion. He says, woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and the greetings in the marketplaces. You love to be known for who you are. You love to be recognized. You love to be congratulated. You love to be patted on the back. You love self-promotion. We are to seek the glory of God, especially in prayer. When you go before Him in arrogance, you're seeking your own glory. 
You seek your own exaltation. What have you gained in the end? Absolutely nothing but woe. The third woe in your inventory is a woe on perception. On perception. He says, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you are like graves which are not seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. Same thing that he talks about with the cups and the dishes, isn't he? What's on the inside? Dead men's bones. What's on the outside? A manicured spot. A a, a perfectly engraved tombstone. Something that's beautiful. We don't want to refer to it as a graveyard. We don't even refer to it as a cemetery. We want to call it the memorial gardens. Right? The message is one of your trans... It's not really translation, but one of your uh, types of Bibles that you use uh, that sometimes I like to go to. I think sometimes it gives a little bit of good light on what God's trying to say. Listen to this verse from the message. He says, Frauds, you're just like unmarked graves. People walk all over that nice grassy surface not suspecting the rot and corruption that is six feet under. (laughs) They're defiled and they don't even recognize it. It's perception. They don't even know who they are anymore before the Lord. As Jesus is going through His inventory, He's giving them woe after woe after woe. We come upon the next scene The next scene in verse number 45 is the insult. It's the insult. It says, then as he is speaking this final woe, or the third woe, he says, one of the lawyers answered and said to him. Now stop there for just a moment. It says that he answered him. All right, I want to look through it real quick. One more time, just make sure. I don't see a question in there. (laughs) <laughs> from, from verse 42 down to verse number 44, I don't see one question that Jesus asked. So what does it mean that He's answering him? He's answering the accusation. He's defending Himself. Isn't that what we do before the Lord? We don't, we don't really kind of, we really don't want to confess our sins before the Lord. We want to we remind the Lord of whose fault it is. It's my daddy's fault. It's my friend's fault. It's society's fault. God, it's your fault. It's anybody and everybody's fault except for mine. And this lawyer is defending not his client. He is defending himself. And he says, teacher, by saying these things, you reproach us also. I kind of think sometimes Jesus might be thinking, um, and? (laughs) Like, that's kind of the point, right? You know? Spiritual snowflakes are not somebody new, are they? They've been around for a while. Jesus, you're hurting my feelings. You know, I should be asking Jesus how His Word impacts me. I should be reading that and saying, God, where am I in that? 
confessing my sin before the Lord. Instead, I get offended. I think that He rebukes everybody else and yet He never rebukes me. I think sometimes we might be surprised at what the Lord would say to us if we would just listen. But it's always for your good. It's always for His glory. Jesus turns His attention to this Pharisee, I mean to this lawyer. As He turns His attention to him, He returns right back to that inventory. <laughs> it's the inventory part too. It's the second part of the list. If the first part of the list were woes that are, that are, that are found by you, I mean they're your actions and the impact that it has on you, these are woes that your actions have on other people. You don't live in a vacuum. The things that you do impact your family. The things that you do impact your church. The things that you do impact your work, your coworkers. You don't live life in a spiritual vacuum. You can't do whatever you want to do and expect that nobody else gets hurt. We suffer by the sins of one another. And so he turns his attention to these woes. First is a woe on potential. A woe on potential. He says in verse number 46, Woe to you also, you lawyers, for you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. They had made it impossible for a regular person to serve and please the Lord. They put on them so many burdens. You have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do this. I mean, they're the ones who took the Ten Commandments and turned them into 613 other laws. It was impossible. And the lawyers and the Pharisees and the scribes were not about to start doing those things themselves either. I mean, after all, we're the lawyers. We're the scribes. We're the Pharisees. God's going to give us a free pass. And they're mistaken, aren't they? Woe on their souls. Woe on their potential. Woe on their propagation. That's what comes next. And he spends more time on this one than he does on any other. Look at verse 47. He says, woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. In fact, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute that the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the temple, yes, I say to you, it shall be required of this generation. The woe of propagation is simply the fact that we continue on the same way that our forefathers did. In the same way that they killed the prophets and didn't want to listen to them. We don't receive the prophets. 
We don't want to listen to them. We don't want to hear from God's Word. We don't want it to make an impact on us. And from Abel to Zechariah, from A to Z, everything in between, we don't want to hear what God has to say. But know this. This too is required of this generation. This generation that takes formula and puts it over relationship. That takes church and puts it over Christ. Who exchanges going through the motions with living a life of genuine faith before God. In this inventory, Jesus indicts them, doesn't He? He tells them exactly what is wrong and holds them accountable for what they do. When Jesus speaks, He speaks of all of these woes. There's one more. It's found in verse number 52. It is the woe on pilfering. Let me show you what I mean. I don't mean taking office supplies home. He says, woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away, you have stolen the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in, you hindered. They themselves are not saved. They themselves have not been born again. And they have stolen the opportunity by stealing the truth that others might hear and believe. They have become a stumbling block. Do you remember what Jesus said to them about that? It would be better for you if you had never been born. It would be better for you if somebody tied a weight around your ankle and threw you into the bottom of a lake than to make one of these little ones stumble. And that's what they've done. So they hear these woes pronounced, you, you almost get the sense that if this really were a movie and these really were scenes, that it would be followed up by repentance. That you would see them fall on their face before the Lord and say, God, we have sinned. Forgive us. And to be made right with Him. And yet the final scene is what I would call the infuriation. They don't, they don't follow this up with humility. They follow it up with anger. That's what arrogance does, doesn't it? Boldness before the throne receives what God sends from His throne. Arrogance is only willing to receive what's asked for. And then we get mad when it's not like that. I remember a young girl one time who was given a car by her family and cried because it wasn't the right color. How many times do we do that before the Lord? Not only do I want what I want, but I want it when I want it, and I want it the way I want it. They didn't take God's Word to heart. Instead, what we find is they verbally abused Him. Look at verse number 53. 
As he said these things to them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently. They abused him. They attacked him. It says that they also began to cross-examine him about many things. They ambushed him. It says in verse number 54, they were lying in wait for him. And then they're accusing him. Seeking to catch him in something that he might say that they might accuse him. In prayer, what do you think happens when you approach God like this? Three times the Bible says, that he stiff arms. He resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. With humility, you can approach God's throne with boldness and then mean it when you say, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And allow him to do in your life what he wants to do. All along, let's pray. Father, I ask Your blessings on these moments. That You, through Your Spirit, would indeed speak to Your servants. That we would hear clearly and know that it is the voice of God that we hear compelling us and drawing us to Yourself. Father, be glorified in these moments as those who need to give their hearts to You, say yes to You and surrender to You. Who would come forward and say, I need to be saved. For those who want to plant their life in the life of this church and say, this is the place where I sense that God is using me. This is the place that I want to be a springboard into ministry. Maybe as the Spirit of God bears witness with your Spirit that He begins today to point out areas that need to be confessed, that need to be made right. If I can help you with that, I want to, but maybe you come straight to the altar and say, God, you said, if I would confess my sin, that you would forgive me and that you would cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Make me clean today. Father, all over this room, people need to respond to You. I pray that Your Spirit would move them. In Jesus' name, Amen. Stand with me. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BrittDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.